This is the Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman, and I am a certified plant-based nutritionist. The website is mainlyplants.com, social media at Mainly Plants, and for all of your Amazon shopping needs, mainlyplants.com slash Amazon helps me out so I can keep helping you out. Uh, I think that was all the housekeeping stuff I had to do. Oh, if you want to contact me, ryan at mainlyplants.com, or through the website, or through social media. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm assuming you can figure it out. So, this week on the podcast, I'm going to stray a little bit from nutrition to start with, and then bring it on back to nutrition with a new little segment I'm going to do every week. So, uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is something that annoys me, and it is, it's, I'm sure that for people who are plant-based or vegan listening to this, you've experienced the same thing because we all have, but when you tell somebody that you're, <clears throat> when, you, when you tell somebody that you're plant-based or that you're vegan, they say, oh, I can never, I can never do that. I can never go vegan. I can never go plant-based. I can never give up cheese. Um, and it's, it's irritating because you're basically, that the person's basically saying, uh, I just have no desire. It's not that you couldn't do it, right? Obviously, they can do it. If I could do it, you could do it. So it's it's just a matter of willpower. There, it is it is an excuse. Instead of saying I just I'm, I don't have the willpower to do it right now, or I just have no interest in doing it, or uh, I'm too lazy to cook healthier, or whatever it is, whatever the reason is, they don't want to say that. So they say, oh, I can never do it. It's out of their hands, right? They have no control over it. You know what you can't do? You can't fucking fly, all right? You can't uh, breathe underwater for an hour or at all. <laughs> you can't hold your breath for an hour. You can't breathe underwater like a fish. Those are things you can't do. You can't nosedive off a 50-story building into the concrete and survive. That, that's something you can't do. What you can do is go vegan or plant-based. That is something that you can do. So, you know, when somebody tells me that, they say, oh, I can never do that. And I say, well, you could if you really wanted to. And then inevitably they say, oh, no, I just, I, I can never, I just couldn't do it. And I'll continue. You could if you wanted to. And I keep repeating that until either they stop arguing with me or they say, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It is. I just don't have the willpower to do it. Because I don't want to let them skate with that. I, I can't. I, I, it's something that I can't do is I can't let somebody skate by with saying I simply can't do it. So they say... I can never go vegan. I can never go plant-based. Well, you could if you really wanted to. Put your mind to it. No, I can never do it. Well, you could if you really wanted to. Yeah, you're right. I just don't have the willpower. That's how the conversation breaks down. So I encourage everybody, not don't be a dick about it, but don't let them get, get away with it. You know, everybody who is plant-based or vegan at one time said, I can never do that. I was one of them. And nobody ever said to me, you know, called me out on the bullshit. Nobody called me out on it. I just kind of had to go through it by myself. Um, and I wish somebody did. I wish somebody said, listen, if you really wanted to, you could. And just kept repeating it until I basically said, you know what, you're right. So uh, I encourage everybody to do that. But that was just a little, a little thing I had to get off my chest. So the main topic for today's podcast is dating somebody who is plant-based. Or vegan. I'm going to use both those interchangeable today. Uh, you know, if you listen, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I typically don't. Um, but this kind of goes beyond just dating somebody into um, having them in your in your life, whether it be family member or uh, 
you know, a friend, best friend, acquaintance, whatever, coworker, whatever it is. So some of these rules apply to, or some of this advice applies to both people, you know, whether it would be the person who is plant-based and the person who isn't. Some apply to one or the other. So let's get into it, okay? And if you, uh, if you uh, have any that, that you don't hear me name off, uh, please let me know. Because the more the merrier, it definitely helps people. So the first one is you need to respect boundaries, okay? Both, and this is for both people, both the plant-based person and the person who is an, uh, omnivorous. Basically, you both need to understand that you're coming into this relationship or friendship or whatever kind of relationship it is without the expectation that the other person is going to change, okay? You can't put that on somebody. You can't expect that, well, once I get them to love me or once we are, you know, uh, a couple, then I'll get them to eat vegan or plant-based. Or, you know, once once I am with them, I'll kind of wean them off of this crazy plant-based diet. Don't, you can't expect that to happen, okay? You both need to compromise when it comes to things like eating out um, and what you're cooking at home, stuff like that. And you need to lay down some ground rules about like, you know, where to eat and where, what restaurants are off the table and will meat be kept in the house? Will cheese and eggs be kept in the house if you're cohabitating? And other things that are going to arise. You know, there's no really, there's no really, there's no real framework to, to lay it out for you. Things are going to come up during the course of a relationship or friendship or if you're family members, whatever, that you're going to have to talk about. But as long as you respect boundaries, both people in it, you should be able to effectively talk it out and kind of lay down the ground rules. Okay. And with that comes keeping an open mind. So a lot of people equate vegan, the word vegan, with kind of, you know, a preachy militant asshole. And there are a lot of those out there, but there are a lot of people who aren't. So it's important to hear your partner out, okay? If you're interested in a relationship or a friendship or whatever it is with this person, then I'm assuming that their stance doesn't currently annoy you, right? If you're going to get into a relationship with somebody, then you know probably where they stand and hopefully you can tolerate it. But the most important thing is to keep that open mind. Likewise, if you are the vegan or plant-based person in the relationship, you need to understand that you cannot, again, in fact, change everyone to have the same values that you do. You need to be open to your partner's choice to continue, continue eating animal products because that's how they came into the relationship. So basically, what I'm getting at is, you need to come into the relationship and and persist in it with the same values or the same expectations that you had at the start. You can't all of a sudden expect somebody to, to change in the relationship. And this goes above and beyond, you know, the dietary habits of people, of course, but because this is the Mainly Plants podcast, this is what we're talking about. So you just kind of have to, you know, take it... At, with any with any topic, you can't you can't expect somebody to change. So you need to take that and apply it to their dietary preferences. 
Now, the next bit of advice kind of uh, applies to the non-vegan person in the relationship, and that is try new things. Now, what vegan people eat and plant-based people eat is often thought to be, you know, rabbit food that's tasteless and uninteresting and boring and bland and just a bunch of salads, right? But it's important to realize that there are so many amazing food choices out there for people who decide not to eat animal products. And you should be open to trying some of them out, even if their ingredients weird you out, okay? Because if you if you haven't tried it before, it's worth trying, right? And it doesn't work the other way, right? You can't say, well, if my partner is vegan and she's never tried ostrich before, then she should be open to it. It's different because there's an ethical standpoint there. The, 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 the argument that plants have feelings is not really valid, okay? You're not taking a life when you choose to eat plant-based. There is an argument, obviously, for farms, you know, tilling the farms and the field mice that get caught up and stuff like that. I'm talking about, you know, one for one, it's not the same, okay? So this does apply more to the non-plant-based person. Just be open to trying stuff. It's amazing how, you know, I will bring friends to vegan restaurants or I will have them try my vegan dishes. Friends who had no interest in eating plant-based. And they try it, they're like, holy shit, that's really fucking good. I had no idea that you could make this out of plants. I had no idea this, this you know, faux cheeseburger would taste so good. There are friends that I have now who opt to get the vegan option because it tastes better. Health aside, so be open to trying new things, you know? I'm not saying every time. And again, if you're the vegan person in the relationship, don't always say you need to try new things. You need to try new things every day. You know, it's a process. So maybe once a week when you eat out, hey, try this. Not necessarily you have to get the dish. You know, if you're the if you're the omnivore in the relationship, you don't necessarily have to order the vegan dish. Just try it if your partner is asking you to try it. You might actually like it. You'd be surprised. Next up is be supportive. Again, this I feel like this applies a little bit more to the non-vegan in the relationship, but so I'm going to speak to you directly. Now, your partner, friend, whoever it is, is most likely very passionate about their veganism for several reasons, ranging anywhere from their personal health to global health to animal welfare, everything in between, all of them, or just some of them, okay? As I mentioned before, no one should be forcing you to change, okay? That's not right. But you should be supportive of your partner's choices. Volunteer with them if they're big into animal activism, you know, as long as it's not illegal. Volunteer with them. Help them cook. Plan a, 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 a vegan meal together. Surprise your partner with getting, go to the grocery store, you know, Google vegan whatever dish. Get the ingredient list, go to the store, pick up some, some vegetables and cook with them. You'd be, you'd be surprised how far that will go and, and how much it will show your partner that you care and that you are supportive of their choices. You know, just be a great source of support in whatever way you can. And in the same way, your partner should be supportive about whatever you're passionate about, right? 
Now, save for maybe if you are big into you know smoking meats, they might not be that supportive of it. But I have a feeling that a vegan and a huge barbecue fanatic are not going to be a compatible couple. But who knows? Now, kind of along the same lines is you need to be flexible. The social aspect of being vegan is a big point of concern, especially for people who are newly vegan. This is something that comes up very frequently with my clients who are just starting out on the on the plant-based diet. The, the vegan in the relationship needs to understand that not every barbecue, not every dinner party, etc. that you guys attend is going to be vegan. And you have to be okay with that when you're dating an omnivore. And you have to be okay with that when you have friends who aren't vegan. Most of the world is not plant-based. So the majority of the places that you go will not be plant-based. And you need to accept that. Likewise, the omnivore in the relationship needs to understand that his partner, the vegan, might be packing some hummus and vegetables in her purse or in his backpack as a backup just in case there's no vegan options to eat. Or you have to be okay with the fact that your partner, the vegan, or plant-based person, it's so hard for me to say vegan all the time because I'm so used to saying plant-based, but the omnivore needs to be okay with the fact that his or her partner might eat a meal before you guys go to a dinner party just to be full and be sure that they have something to eat and they can just kind of pick at stuff at the dinner if, it, if there are vegan options. And you need to not be embarrassed by it because if you're embarrassed by it, then your partners might be embarrassed by it. And that's not a good source of support, going back to support. So no one, here's the thing, no one really gives a shit if you're vegan or if you're vegetarian or whatever your dietary preference is, nobody gives a shit as long as you aren't forcing it on them, right? People don't care. People are are self-centered just as it's human nature. We care about ourselves first and foremost, save for maybe your children, right? Parents may, might put their children first, but we care about ourselves. We, we look out for A number one, right? So if somebody comes to, if somebody comes to my house and, you know, I'm having a, a vegan potluck and they decide to bring wings, I don't care. That's their choice, okay? Um, likewise, if I go to a friend's house and I decide to bring, you know, a cold quinoa salad to a potluck of theirs that's omnivorous, why, why would they give a shit? They don't care. They don't have to eat it. They might eat it. They might like it. They might not agree with what I'm, my dietary preferences are, but why would they care? And, and this is the point that I'm getting at is this whole aspect of, you know, the social aspect being of a con- of concern for vegans or, or people who are in, in a relationship with a vegan. Nobody cares. People just don't care. So just get over it. You're the, you making a big deal out of it is, is much bigger than anybody else making a big deal out of it. Nobody cares. I can't stress that enough. And finally, do your due diligence. If you're going to date a vegan, you've got to brush up on what that means. Okay, if you're picking up dinner, or you're picking up groceries, or you're picking up whatever it is, food items, for you and your partner, be sure be sure that your partner's option is vegan. Be sure that the uh, mayonnaise that you pick up is vegan. Be sure that the bread that you pick up is vegan. If you plan on sharing it with your partner, 
It's as easy as reading the ingredient list. Last week, I did a whole podcast on ingredient lists. Go listen to it if you're not sure. But be aware that your partner might not eat honey if they're a strict vegan. Um, your partner you know, might not wear leather, so don't buy leather for your partner. These are all things you need to discuss. Your partner might not wear wool if it goes beyond dietary. So brush up on it. It's, it's so easy to Google stuff now, right? Um, so just read the ingredients. And we have Google on our phones. If you're in the grocery store, you're not sure if an, what an ingredient is or what it's derived from. I did a podcast on that also, but you can just Google it real quick. It's easy. There are a lot of products that you wouldn't think contain animal products, but actually do. Worcester sauce, Jello, gummy bears. Um, I did a whole again. I did a whole podcast on it. So the best the best way to go into having a vegan in your life is being aware of what they will eat and wear and associate themselves with and being aware for the vegan that you can't change the other person, right? Now, on a personal note, it is the, the one thing that I've found hard with dating an omnivore is, and I think I've, I've touched on this briefly before, for me, I so I went vegan, I went plant-based because of health health reasons. I had high cholesterol, I was lethargic all the time. And, you know, the animal welfare and the global impact came later. And I think that anybody who starts off uh, with veganism or plant-based, once they go down the rabbit hole, all you know, we're plant-based for everything, for all of the reasons. But people get into it for different reasons. And health is a big thing to me obviously what we're putting what we're fueling our bodies with obviously we're you know i have this mainly plants thing because of that it is it's hard to for me to sit by and watch somebody put stuff in their body that is essentially poison poisoning them over time right so for instance you know if i had a girlfriend who ate cheese every day again that's her decision and i can't expect to change her but it's hard for me to know that my partner is making themselves sick. And then what happens if, if you know, the relationship develops, we get married and have kids, and she gets cancer because possibly of her dietary, uh, what she's eating. And then, so, so what I'm trying to get at is, again, your health impacts more than just you when you're in a relationship. What you do and what you decide to put in your body impacts more than just yourself. It impacts your kids and your loved ones. And that's the hardest thing for me is accepting... It's hard for me to accept that somebody will eat something that is unmistakably bad for them and will make them sick and be okay with that. So if you can do that, that's great. I, it's hard for me and I struggle with it. You know, and it's, it's hard. You know, do I have to strictly date a vegan? Do I strictly have to date somebody who's plant-based? Do I have to, do I, should I date somebody who is mostly plant-based? Should I date somebody who is an omnivore and just get over it? You know, and, and I would love to hear if you guys struggle with the same thing. 
when it comes to health. Um, you know, obviously the uh, the animal welfare is a whole another aspect, and the global concern is a whole another aspect. But for the sake of this podcast, since we we talk about health, let's let's talk about that. You know, do you find it hard to date somebody who is not hundred percent plant based because their health might impact you down the road? I don't know. Just a little food for thought. Uh, no pun intended. So, lastly for this week, I want to uh, I want to do something each week that uh, gives you guys a little bit more information. So what I'm going to do every week is feature a plant, okay, and just kind of talk about it briefly. So this week, I'm going to be talking about turmeric. If you're not aware of what turmeric is, it is a root. And you can find it in the grocery store, usually next to the ginger. It uh, has like an orange tint to it. Uh, it is, it will stain your hands and your clothes. So whether you get it in the root form or you go to the season, you know, the spice aisle and get it uh, pulverized like a like a powder, dried powder. Either way, it will stain your sponges. Uh, it stains everything. It kind of gives it this orange tint. So. Just be aware of that. But let's talk about some of the benefits of turmeric. And then I'll talk about how you can use it. So number one is that it it prevents cancer. It can help prevent prostate cancer. It can also help stop the growth of existing prostate cancer and and destroy the cancer cells. So that is number one. Number two, it helps relieve arthritis. Turmeric is anti-inflammatory. So it's great for treating osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. It also helps destroy free radicals in the body that damage your cells. So it's been found that those suffering from rheumatoid arthritis who consume turmeric on a regular basis experience a lot of relief from moderate joint pain as well as joint inflammation. So number three, it helps control diabetes. It, it, uh, it helps moderate your insulin levels. So if you have diabetes, consider using turmeric. Uh, another significant benefit is that it uh, is very effective in helping reduce insulin resistance, which may prevent the onset of type 2 diabetes. It's kind of a pre-diabetic. However, when combined with strong medic- medications, turmeric can cause hypoglycemia, which is low blood pressure, or low blood sugar, I'm sorry, low blood sugar. So if you uh, are on uh, medication for diabetes, just check with your with your healthcare provider about taking turmeric. It also helps reduce cholesterol. So research has research has proven that using turmeric, even just as a food seasoning, can reduce your cholesterol levels, which is awesome. It is an immunity booster. It helps heal wounds. So it's a natural antiseptic, antiseptic and antibiotic. And you can put it on a cut, a little bit of uh, um, water. What I like to do is I like to kind of just do like a, a, a chunk of turmeric uh, powder. Like just put it into a bowl and then just do like a tiny dab of like a drop of water and uh, mix it around and then put it on your, your cut or burn and then put the bandaid over it. Just use it instead of Neosporin. It's awesome. And I've found that it helps it helps to heal skin faster than Neosporin. And Neosporin you can't even use on burns, so 
it's doubly as good. It is also good in terms of weight management. It helps you maintain your healthy body weight. A component that's in turmeric helps increase the flow of bile, which is important in the breakdown of dietary fat. So if you wanna lose weight or treat obesity or trim the fat, a, even just as little as one teaspoon of turmeric with every meal can significantly help burn the fat. It's also been shown to prevent Alzheimer's disease. So brain inflammation is suspected to be one of the leading causes of cognitive disorders such as Alzheimer's disease. Turmeric supports overall brain health by removing a lot of the plaque buildup in the brain and improving the flow of oxygen. So this can actually help slow down and possibly prevent the onset of Alzheimer's disease. It, uh, it's no, it's no, uh, no big mystery that turmeric also helps improve digestion. Many components in turmeric, like I said, stimulate the gallbladder to produce bile, right? We just talked about that. Um, which also, in addition to the fat burn, reduces symptoms of bloating and gas. It's also helpful in treating most forms of inflammatory bowel disease, including ulcerative colitis, which can happen from eating a lot of animal products. So it's important to bear in mind, however, that people suffering from any kind of gallbladder disease should not take turmeric as a dietary supplement because it can worsen that condition, okay? Because it does, um, it does directly affect your gallbladder. So if you have a healthy gallbladder, it will keep it healthy. If you have a, a sick gallbladder, don't use turmeric. It's best to consume turmeric, in this case, in its raw form, if you have a digestive issue, meaning the root. You can juice it or you can cut it up and just swallow it. And finally, it helps prevent liver disease. It's a natural liver detoxifier. The liver detoxifies your blood through the production of enzymes and what turmeric does is it increases the production of those enzymes and those enzymes go on to break down and reduce toxins in the body. Now, it's, turmeric is also believed to invigorate and uh, improve blood uh, circulation, yeah, which both of those together support good liver health. Okay, so there are those are 10 brief reasons to use turmeric every day. Now, how should you use turmeric? Well, firstly, like I said, you can buy it in its raw form and just juice it. You can juice it and add it to your water. You can add it to your green juice, whatever kind of juice you drink. Um, and uh, a little goes a long way. Now, you can also buy turmeric drinks. Turmeric's becoming very popular. It does help uh, speed up your recovery also. So if you like to lift a lot in the gym, it's a great post-workout drink. So there are turmeric drinks. You can go to like Sprouts. Uh, I think Safeway's starting to stock them now. And buy turmeric drink. It's it's It takes a little bit getting used to in terms of the, the flavor. Uh, and there is some sediment there because it, it is turmeric being juiced. But just down the hatch, down the hatch. It's really good for you. Uh, and lastly, you can buy the spice, like I said, and cook with it. So whether you're doing a stir fry or, uh, you know, you're doing a, a veggie, a bean burger, just toss a couple of tablespoons of turmeric in there. Uh, it, it, it 
it uh, it really livens up the flavor and it's so freaking good for you. What my favorite turmeric dish is crispy tofu bites. Uh, what I like to do is press the tofu, get all the water out of, out of it. You can even buy pre-pressed tofu uh, at, at uh, Safeway now. And cut it into about one-inch cubes, the tofu. And then put it into a bowl with a little drizzle of sesame oil and then just a bunch of uh, turmeric. Just coat it in turmeric. Use a big spoon to uh, mix it around, cover everything, lay it down on a baking sheet. I like to bake it at 475 for 10 minutes and then broil for 10 minutes. It makes it nice and crisp uh, and a little burnt on the outside and chewy on the inside. So <clears throat> bake at 475, 10 minutes, depending upon how well done you like them. Broil for anywhere between 5 and 10 minutes. Just check on them. You have to play, with, play around with it. Different ovens obviously are uh, cooked differently. Um, but it's, it's a great way to get your turmeric in. It's a great way to cook your tofu. Uh, if you have any questions on that, let me know. Any questions, comments, concerns about the the dating tips, please get a hold of me. About anything else, get a hold of me. If you will have a specific plant you would like to know more of that you want featured in the weekly plant breakdown, let me know. And until next week, go eat a salad. <laughs>